Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, but also getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. You can find the link to our playlist in the show notes. Welcome to episode 83. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Draft. The Australian hip-hop legend is releasing his seventh studio record today entitled Shadows and Shinings. In today's episode, we're talking with Draft about how fatherhood has changed his music, writing songs across multiple years, and mental health within the music industry. Here we go. Our guest today is a pioneer in the Australian hip-hop music scene. Hailing from Western Australia, he's releasing his seventh studio record today, which is entitled Shadows and Shinings. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Paul Reed, a.k.a. Draft. Hello. Hey, thanks for having me on. My absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on. How are you today? I'm good. I'm really good. Yeah, I've had a crazy, well, I've had a crazy 15 years. I was going to say I've had a few <laughs> crazy few months, but um, it, it's never ending, which is awesome. It's kind of the way that I love it as well, but I think, you know, in the space of COVID and affecting sort of touring plans and whatnot, it can be a bit sticky at the moment. So we just need to take it week by week and not plan too ahead. That's very fair. I think um, you have kind of been, just to touch on what you just said or referred to, you have been like um, a like a staple of the music uh, scene in Australia and the hip-hop scene in Australia for the last 15 years. Um, what, I guess, are your thoughts on the current state of the industry in, in terms of not being able to play shows and um, having to adapt as an artist? It's brutal. It's absolutely brutal, more so for, you know, young kids coming up and, you know, creating an album and then not being able to do anything with the record, especially, you know, young artists in Sydney and um, Victoria and a lot of the eastern states where it's, you know, they they can't go out and play shows. Like we have been to build a career off the back of for the last 15, 20 years. So it's a testing time for everyone. I, I think I'm one of the fortunate ones being over in WA and we do have options here and we have had options for the last 12 months and, you know, a lot of the time that COVID was initially like affecting our industry. I was busy writing a record. So the silver lining of that was I just had a change of pace and I could concentrate on the music first and foremost. And it's only now just starting to affect in our plans in terms of touring and stuff. So yeah, I've been incredibly fortunate 
with um, with the last sort of year and a half in mind, but I know a lot of people aren't aren't as lucky as I am. We've spoken to um, a few guests from WA, like um, the Sly Withers guys, uh, Joel from Eskimo Joe, Dulcie, um, who, yeah, they've all kind of mentioned that WA almost like relatively <laughs> has been COVID-free and you guys have had like a bit more freedom, I think, than anyone else in terms of shows and gigs and things like that. Yeah, for sure. Like I think we've only had three or four snap lockdowns and because yeah premier is such a cowboy and sort of everyone <laughs> into gear super fast like i would leave the studio and i'd go get petrol and everyone's wearing a mask and i'm like there must have been like another case has popped up and that's how quickly perth sort of reacts to the news you know i um before I know in terms of hearing it on the news, I can see it on the street. So, and I think that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing. Like I know in Sydney, I've, I've, I've got a bunch of friends over there that do, are doing the right things to try to get it under control, but then they'll go for a run and no one's wearing masks. And I'm, and it blows my mind coming from a place with that, like I'll leave the house and everyone's got a mask on before I even read or he- hear it in the news, you know. So, um, but again, like the population is vastly different between Perth and Sydney. So there's a lot, you know, a lot more um, fish in the sea over there and it's harder to manage a situation like that over there as well. So, you know, we have been incredibly fortunate and it's like the isolation is finally starting to work in our favour. So, yeah, it's great that I've still got options or WA Acts still have options to be able to play 14-odd shows around the state and and make money when, you know, so many people are just so wounded in terms of the touring scene over east. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a real shitty position and government surely aren't helping the situation either. No, no, they're not. Um, but we won't uh, touch on that too much. That isn't why we're here today. <laughs> no, no, all positive things. <laughs> we are here to talk about your new record, um, Shadows and Shinings, which is the first record in I think about three to four years, uh, if I'm correct. I think the last one was 2018. Yes, yes, it was. You know, life kind of makes these albums a bit trickier um, I've had a daughter who is two, three, or sorry, three in December. So uh, um, all my free time is kind of <laughs> has to be used wisely these days. But um, but yeah, I am extremely proud of this record, and it's a big family affair. And I'm working with a lot of people that are very dear to me, and um, and yeah. I, I love where it's finished off, and I'm 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 stoked to have released it today, and and uh, and yeah, allow other people to hear it too. Of course, it. Um, a few years ago, I think you took a bit of a break from music, and um, you went into the restaurant business, and I know that you've obviously come back to, to releasing more music since. With this record, obviously having um having a child is a huge project uh for lack of a better term um yeah did you find yourself kind of 
having them vastly separate or was it something that you kind of found inspiration in becoming a father and, and taking on that kind of new role? Um, I definitely found inspiration more so after becoming a father and, you know, you're no longer the most important person in the world and um, puts everything into perspective and it takes a lot of the pressure away um, that you put on yourself as well within the process of creating and releasing because it just doesn't matter as much anymore. Um, having having my daughter around, I have, you know, uh, my my free time, the, the, the stuff that I used to enjoy the most was creating music. I used to just love getting into the studio and I would lose weeks just creating music, but it's also not very good just being stuck in a room by yourself for that, for that long period of time. So, um, yeah, when my daughter came along, I was, you know, we would go on adventures every other day and I just love hanging out with her and I love, like, the little, you know, childish energetic fun that we can have like from hanging out together and and it just takes all the seriousness away from like creating these big bodies of work you know and and it just turns into a hobby again because now she's my first and foremost and and um and she comes before all this stuff now so yeah it's 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 amazing and I wouldn't change it for the world and I and I'm, I'm in such a good place musically because of her as well. Does she understand as much as, as a two-year-old can, like grasp the concept of, I guess, what it is that dad does or has it, no, shows any kind of... <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If I, start, if I pick the guitar up or if I sing, she's like, stop singing, stop singing. <laughs> I'm, saying, I'm saying gorge, like people pay me to hear me sing. She's like, no, no singing, only mummy sings. <laughs> <laughs> so she has no grasp on what I do and I think um, that's amazing as well. It's very humbling having a two-, three-year-old <laughs> around the house telling you what you can and cannot do. I was going to say that would definitely be a, uh, a humbling kind of moment where it brings you brings you back down one or two pegs a little <laughs> Oh, for sure. Yeah, she say if I'm listening to mixes or the masters of a record, she'll be like, turn it off, put like <laughs> Dance Monkey on or something like that. The amount of times I had to listen to bloody Dance Monkey or <laughs> or Bluey or The Wiggles or Coco Melon is like, oh, I know these songs better than I know my own now. <laughs> so, yeah. I wasn't planning on asking this, but could we possibly see a shift uh from draft into into kids music a, a kids album by draft which i don't know whether that would work you never never say never <laughs> from what i understand that's where the money's at like <laughs> true yeah if you, want, if you want to print some money but there, there's like a certain formula to those kids records because it's a flooded market as well people want to get into that market and try but there's only a select few that have this, like, energetic signature that kids gravitate to, and yeah. that's amazing. Like, that's something that I've thought about for sure, but um, whether I could 
make it a successful career of mine? I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll keep an eye. We'll focus on this record. We'll keep an eye out for that one. <laughs> yeah. um, the the title. I'm very curious where that kind of came from because it is slightly um, ominous, or it does. It is quite open to interpretation, which might have been the idea. But I'm curious, yeah, what, where the title came from. Um, you know, every record that I release is first and foremost like very introspective and and revolves around the venting outlet that my music is. So it's it's very insular and I use my music as a vessel to release what I'm going through or any trauma or past experiences that have affected me and, you know, it's part of my natural evolution as a human. But I guess it focuses more so on the shadows that we carry and like the like I always believe that as soon as you're aware of a particular shadow that you carry or something that's holding you back or maybe like a particular personality trait that doesn't serve you, as soon as you focus on it and shed light on that shadow, it dissolves. So that's where the subject matter of the record kind of came about and like having songs like Better Alone or um, Shadows on My Walls or Release Me and a bunch of the topics revolve around or even Problem Here, um, like stuff that, I, that I've that i overcome with, with within the last two years. And a lot of people approach me and say, are you, are you okay? Because there's dark <laughs> stuff on this regular one. But, yeah, I wrote that a year and a half ago. I had like a tough week, but this is the way that I get over those tough weeks, you know. So, um, so yeah, I think like first and foremost it's about vulnerability and me being vulnerable on these songs. And hopefully that's a piece of the puzzle that, sort of draws people in to listen to my music and and associate that like they're not the only ones going through these these um like having to overcome these hurdles as well within life and you know I think so many people in the music industry will only share, share a certain amount and there's this certain facade that's um you know from an outsider looking in is like perfect but it's just not the case you know we as artists and people within the spotlight probably deal with more of these day-to-day issues and I think it's really important to be able to share that as well. I think that especially in with yourself because you've always been with, throughout the 15, 20 years that um, you've been doing draft as, as your musical outlet. Mm. I feel that there's always been a connection to fans and it's what has really resonated with people. Um, this album, but previous albums as well, is that you do kind of, uh, not to steal your phrase, but shine a light, yeah, on some of those topics that uh, maybe are a little bit more difficult. Um, I know that lately that has become quite a bigger uh, focus in the industry, but I feel like it, it's been a continuous thing for yourself and it's why you do resonate with fans. I know um, uh, when I mentioned it to my my little brother, who's a massive draft fan, he was quite excited that you were coming on the podcast. Um, but I guess for you, how important has it been throughout that time to to be honest and you know really have I guess show those true emotions and feelings and and put yourself in, in a quite a vulnerable space, really. 
Yeah, I think. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's in te- it like it's incredibly integral for who I am as an artist and for me to continuously release music from this point onwards because it's not just about releasing music for people to consume for me. It's about the therapy side of, you know, overcoming a situation and turning a negative into a positive. And it's always been a hobby first and foremost for me and a creative outlet and a venting process for me first and foremost before the listener comes in, in, in into the picture. So, um, you know, I've always really prided myself on my vulnerability and being able to share because I know it helps me overcome those issues first and foremost, but... I know like people relate to authenticity and vulnerability and honesty more so than like a massive pop song that's got like, you know, you know, from an outsider's perspective, legs on it from a, from a label's perspective, sorry. Like I believe in the body of work and something that tells an honest story over just one big pop song that has, you know, a, a year's life. So, um, yeah, with that in mind and as a, as a whole, like honesty, vulnerability and authenticity is the cornerstone to, to how I write and release music and, um, and will continue to be for years to come, you know, and, and that's why I can sit here now and say I've just finished this album, it's just released and I'm so ready to jump in and, and continue to write. I'm so inspired at the moment because of that. And also because I'm working with the people that, that are the closest to me. And, like, this album is about, like, having um, all my friends involved that I've worked with over the last 15 years and keeping it within the family and pushing forward with the right people and not just having, you know, some dude from the States that I've never met before on a song because I know it will sell. Like, for me, it's, like, the personability behind the whole story and the energy of the whole song and the people that I have involved within this project, that means more to me and the legacy behind my body of work to look back and say, after music, I'm still friends with these people, you know? So I don't know, it's just, it's way more personal for me, the process from start to finish than people truly do understand, I think. Is that why some of the collaborators that we see on your records are 
frequent collaborators, I guess, and the fact that they come back because you guys are actually mates and and have that actual relationship instead of just a, as you said, fly in, fly out verse on a chorus or whatever? That's the only reason why. That's <laughs> the only reason why, like, I made a conscious decision with this record to only work with people that I know I can have a beer with and I can speak my truth with and I can be truly vulnerable with and they're not going to judge me. And, um, yeah, I just, I just want to create with good people. And, I, you know, money aside, like career aside, I want to finish an album and I want to be proud of that record and I, and I also want to be able to listen to that record in 10 years' time and say, yeah, like they're the people that represent who I am as well. So, um, so yeah, this album through and through is a family affair. Like the last song released me with uh, Daz, Layla and Hunter, the, you know, I've been making music with 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 that crew, the Syllabolics crew, for the last 20 years. And my first three verses that I ever wrote was on a record called Dundiel and it was a Hunter and Disaster record and the, the, the four of us, Layla, myself, Daz and Hunter, we were on four of the songs together like 20 years ago. So that was the reason why I bookended the album with that particular song because that was the start and I really feel like this is an integral record, you know, being 20 years in in, in uh, the music industry, that it was amazing to finish this album with a song um, like Release Me that, that um, sort of embodies where I started from. Definitely. I know some of the songs... Uh, on the record, some were from like the last year and, and the, around the time of the pandemic. And then there are some that uh, you've been working on or, or had ideas from eight or nine years ago, I guess. Um, when you are revisiting songs like that or, or working on songs like that, how do you determine what still has that initial like buzz about it or that it's still worth um, like revisiting and building upon? Oh, I, in a perfect world, I would release everything that I've written. Anything that I have given energy to, I believe deserves to see the light of day. So, but in the same breath, a song always tells me when it's finished. And I, I, I don't personally dictate like, okay, this, this song, um, like within a day is done. Like if a song's not done for me, I'll flip the idea, you know, up to 15 times if I need to, to get it to a place where it says, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. Like, and I'll kill myself until that song's done. And um, the beauty about this record, I guess, I have had stagnant ideas that weren't quite there yet that I'd been working on for 10 years that had never found a home within albums that I'd released previously. So I've got like, with that in mind, like having from my perspective, like wanting to give everything the, the time of day and release everything. I've got this like 50 clouds following me every day that I need to finish, you know? So the beauty of this album was like, 
after I had finalised everything, I had no other demos that I wanted to get out. So it was a clean slate and it, and it felt amazing finally putting to bed the last 10 years of my life and finding homes for everything. And, um, you know, there's a track on the record, Model Plane, with um, two friends of mine, Bit of Belief and Complete. And that chorus was just off the back of 2011 Life of Riley and has only just made it onto this record. You know, so some of these these ideas just keep floating around until until um, they find the right home. So, yeah. I, I think I read somewhere that you said this album almost feels, uh, and I'm, I'll probably misquote this, so I apologise in advance, but that it almost feels like a successor to that album, to the life of Riley, or that it feels like it could slot in to be to, in like chronolog- chronological order to go after that album. That's more from, like, a passion perspective. I I Mm -hmm. think, like, that record, The Life of Riley, for me was such a tough one because, you know, from an outsider's perspective, it was deemed as my, you know, well, it was my most successful two years within the industry. I'd been working up to, like, to that particular point and had so much pressure around me and I had new management and, I was sort of just saying yes to everything and, and working myself into the ground. And then by the end of that record cycle, I was just fucking miserable. And I thought to myself, like, you know, I dreamed of being in this exact position for the last 10 years. And now I'm here and I am the most miserable that I've, I've been for my entire life. Like, what the fuck is going on here? And, um, and so... So, yeah, I had to take time away because I'm not one of those people that will just write music for the sake of writing music. Like I, I need to feel like it's coming from the right place. So I felt like I had to take a step away from music and and um, a step away from releasing it in, in the way that I was. So I, I stepped away, opened a restaurant in Perth, um, had the restaurant for four years, took sort of the pressure away from the music and I was just writing for fun more so. And then I, you know, after the back of the, off the back of that, I was like, I had this record and hospitality was a real, real hard industry. I was working like 18 <laughs> hours a day. It was like on the floor, managing the kitchen, working on the kitchen pass, like putting menus together. I was like, fuck, give me my music back. Like... <laughs> And then um, I felt like I was in a, in a space to release again. Like I had learned a lot over those four years within, you know, running another business and, and you know, taking a step back and changing the pace of me releasing music and, and removing that pressure. I got a bit of clarity with that. So um, I released uh, Seven Mirrors and sort of toured off off that. And I was in a good spot, but I worked with an executive producer and I didn't really have the confidence to be able to, like, put another one of my records together and I felt like I had to go elsewhere to get that, like, confidence, um, you know, back where it needed to be for me to start releasing again. And I, I literally, in the you know, in the space of the last year and a half, two years, I've only just refound that. So that's what I mean about, like, I feel like this record should should be slotted in after, after the life of Riley because I've only just 
found my passion again. Like, and that's that that was ten years ago. You know, and so the music industry is an amazing place for people that are successful, but it can also be a very detrimental space if you're not mentally strong and you don't have the tools to be able to push through um, the roadblocks. And I don't think there's enough, you know, a a lot of the labels and management they will work you into the ground if you allow them to work you into the ground because, you know, us as artists, we have a dream and, like, these people are, like, saying, okay, this is the way. Like, you know, we're giving you an opportunity to be able to step up here but they don't give you the tools to be able to keep your mental health intact and that's the biggest issue with our industry. It's like they'll they'll easily work you into the ground but... They, they won't help you when you're, you know, six feet under. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who was it recently? Um, I think it was, I'm, I'm probably getting this wrong. I think it was Iggy Azalea of all people who um, <laughs> awesome. flagged, that flagged that sport, like these days sports teams have psychologists who are paid yeah. for by the teams to look after their, their athletes. So why isn't it? the same for an uh, like a label to have a similar thing for its artists yeah yeah i i definitely feel like you know well there, there needs to be a more nourishing approach to management as well because they they're they're the people that you are meant to rely on to be able to guide you through because they're they're the people that have been in the industry much longer than you so, yeah. you know, to be able to, oh, I don't know, like work around all the label business and whatnot, like it should be management's role to be able to say, no, I think you've toured too much or I think, you know, you should have a day here where you're away from emails and you're away from doing all the press that you've been doing and, you know, it's really important for you to take some time for yourself now you know, and turn your phone off and stay off social media because social media is only adding to all those pressures that an artist has to deal with. And, you know, if you've got a day off, this is not helping you. It's actually doing the opposite, you know. So, yeah, there, there, there needs to be people in the industry, you know, that can advise these younger artists, you know, to not go down the same path that 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 we have. And um, you know, a lot of people that I know that are at the top of the game feel the exact same way. If you're not mentally strong, you just get eaten up, you know. Yeah. And no one's, and then it's on to the next person, on to the next person, because everyone wants a career. Exactly. Exactly. It's. It's a thing I think that the music industry as a whole, but the Australian one especially, it's starting to work out where there are cracks and where work needs to be done, but I think we're still a little bit of a way off until um, until it's going to be as supportive as it needs to be. For sure. Definitely. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, Paul, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. I do appreciate it. And uh, congratulations again on Shadows and Shinings, which is out today. Thanks so much for having me on, man. Yeah, it's, it's been my great pleasure. 
And that's our show. A massive thank you to Draft for his time. Shadows and Shinings is out now, and we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to buy and stream the record. We also want to give a huge shout out to Jack at On The Map PR for helping out with today's interview. You can find a link to our Spotify playlist in the show notes, where you'll be able to listen to all of our guests' picks. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Thursday and Friday morning, with guest playlists streaming on Spotify at the same time. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Until next week, cheers. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.